I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Dr. Steve Davis. He's a veterinarian and CEO at Colorado Quality Research. Steve, great to have you here. Good to be here. Necrotic enteritis, I know one of your favorite topics. Um, it, it's always been a struggle for the no antibiotics ever production systems, but it sounds like the industry's making some progress. Yeah, uh, there is some progress. Yeah, there, we're finding some things that uh, have, have some efficacy. Uh, and we're not necessarily, we're not replacing the pharmaceuticals by any means at this point, but uh, they are finding some ways to manage around uh, uh, some of these new programs. And uh, some of our research is gonna help lead towards some of those things. And at, at this point, I mean, can we talk about which alternative products are showing the most potential? Yeah, I think uh, uh, the, the hot topic out there right now has uh, turned into the trace minerals, of all things. Uh, and we basically have been able to find that copper and zinc are key trace minerals in helping gut health and helping uh, I think with the COXI challenge and also with uh, the Clostridium perfringens challenge. That's interesting. So is this something that you would just put into the starter feed or throughout the life of the bird? It's a good question. Uh, the uh, Typically, most companies, they are having to go to higher levels uh, of these trace minerals. Because they're feeding so them anyway. Yes, right? they're feeding them anyway, but they're going to higher levels. And it started out that they were using it in starter, and I think it's pretty well gone to where most of these companies are using it uh, higher levels in the starter and the grower. Now, what is it about zinc and copper, did you say? What is it about these two trace minerals um, that seems to have some kind of an effect against necrotic enteritis? Tell you the truth, I, I'm not for sure what the mechanism is uh, that's actually, you know, what that all is. We know that uh, zinc is very important when it comes to the immune system and, uh, and maybe that's having some impact on uh, local immunity with these trace minerals um, because we also know in some of the research that we've been doing that immunity or having early exposure to clostridium perfringens in that used litter is very important in helping control necrotic enteritis later in life in those grow outs as well, well rather than starting on, on new litter. And you gave a presentation about that at the American Association of Avian Pathologists last year. Uh, maybe for the benefit of our viewers, if you could recap the highlights of that and, and let us know the, the, the takeaway messages. How can we use litter to, to get a better control of necrotic enteritis? Okay. Well, I mean, necrotic enteritis is a very age-specific problem. It usually shows up, uh, you know, 14 to 24 days of age is most classic. If it shows up uh, later than that, we found that, that typically means that you have a, a significant coxy problem. Uh, that's an underlying cause. But it's very rare for it to occur real early. And so when we place baby chicks on used litter that have the clostridium spores there, these chicks are exposed to it, they ingest these spores, and suddenly they have uh, exposure to clostridium perfringens before they get to that age where coccidiosis becomes a factor. 
and uh, where there's typically uh, an age-specific problem for necrotic enteritis. And so I think there's a, the beginning of some immunity that occurs and then we have less necrotic enteritis and uh, where we start these chicks on used litter and where there's been clostridium perfringens exposure prior. And uh, we were able to do that, uh, reproduce that in, in a study that I presented last year at the AAAP. And uh, we're seeing that uh, out in the field as well. And that the, the worst outbreaks of necrotic enteritis are typically occurring in brand new houses, first flocks, uh, or uh, we're after first flock after a total cleanup. What have you seen in terms of a, a seasonal pattern with necrotic enteritis? Uh, it, I, we know it's a problem year round, but it, does it tend to be worse at some times of the year? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and that's the interesting thing that with what's going on with necrotic enteritis in the U.S. with these new NAE programs is that there, there is some <clears throat> uh, concern. People are kind of holding their breath a little bit because so far we haven't had the earth-shattering, uh, you know, uh, destructive type of problems that we were, you know, afraid that we might get into. So far, so good. Things haven't been so bad. Some complexes are having more problems than others, but the shipwrecks are just not as as bad as what we thought they would be. But we are also just moving into the time of year, and so we're just getting through that first year without the use of, the, of these pharmaceutical products. And typically, the worst time of the year is the spring, because you go through that winter time, houses are closed up, we have more humidity in the houses, a little more moisture in the litter, we end up better situation for uh, oasis sporulation and cyclinococci and then also the, the the presence of clostridium perfringens. So we're just getting ready to get into that first full season after a year of no antibiotics type of programs and going into the toughest challenge time. What is the role for antibiotics in, in managing necrotic enteritis these days? Well, um, I know there's, there's, there's two different programs out there of what I'm hearing um, in the commercial broilers uh, where there no antibiotic ever type of programs. And one is what I would call the, the ethical programs is that they have a set standard that if mortality gets to a certain level that they treat. And then that's where they treat with the antibiotics and then they market those um, those flocks uh, uh, under another label. Uh, um, but then there's some companies that are taking the approach that they're not treating. And, and they're just, if they have a shipwreck flock, they're just trying to limp their way into the processing plant and they don't treat those so that they can still process those in label of uh, uh, antibiotic free and frankly uh, I have real concerns about that and I and I don't think that that's going to be successful and that is not going to be sustainable long term with that kind of approach 
And where would you draw the line? Uh, you talked about a threshold. Is that, how would you measure that? That's uh, <laughs> that that's a, a question that uh, a lot of people have. But I, I I think that most of these companies are are basically that putting that threshold is somewhere between three tenths to a half of a bird per thousand mortality, and they uh, they go that level and. I'd have to leave that more to the, the guys that have to live it day in and day out and where that really... Are there certain types of operations where preventing necrotic enteritis, more the traditional way with an antibiotic, is that still a good idea? Well, yeah, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that these healthiest flocks that are being are, are utilizing antibiotics in a responsible manner uh, are the best uh, for, and that's what I feed my family. And um, I, so I'm, I definitely feel that, um, you know, the responsible use of antimicrobials and uh, ionophore uh, coccidiostats is uh, the most humane and the most efficacious and the healthiest way to grow broilers. Now we are finding, and, and the industry's figured out that longer downtime is, is another big tool that uh, we've learned. I mean, we used to talk about 14 days minimum downtime between flocks was kind of critical. Well, now with these- uh, For managing necrotic enteritis. For managing necrotic enteritis, managing coccidiosis, managing bird health as a whole. And uh, now these companies that are going antibiotic free are finding that even pushing it out to 21 days downtime has been a real successful approach to decreasing some of these bacterial challenges uh, in these commercial houses. And I think that's a good move. But, but specifically, why does that occur? Why does why You know, if you bring it out to 21 days or whatever, uh, because the bacteria are in the litter anyway, correct? But what, what, what does a downtime do to really reduce the pressure? Uh, that's a good question. And we know that, okay, especially Clostridium, because it's a spore former, so it's not necessarily, it's not going to die or disappear out of the litter, you know, between 14 and 21 days. We know that's the case. But we also know that the longer we have for downtime, the more drying effect we have of that litter. And as it dries, then we, we end up with less oasis that are viable. And ultimately, I think we're finding so far early into this uh, change in our industry that coccidiosis is still the number one factor. And that's one of the reasons our research company is doing more coccidiosis research probably than we ever have uh, because coxy control uh, is still probably the primary issue when it comes to necrotic enteritis and the clostridium perfringens is still that um, you know secondary factor that's an opportunistic bacteria and pathogen. And, and it's interesting you say that because you know we've got you know, three major types of products for coccidiosis. You've got the vaccines, you have the ionophores, and then the non-ionophore anti-coccidials. Yes. 
yet a, a lot of companies have said, well, we're going to go antibiotic-free, which means that we can't use the ionophores anymore. So they've really narrowed the, the, the field in terms of the uh, number of tools that they have available, at which puts more pressure on them, particularly the feed medications. Are you concerned about that at all? Very much so, and I think that's another reason why uh, you know a lot of veterinarians out there in the commercial industry are kind of holding their breath right now saying, you know, what's going to happen this spring? Because, again, we've had a year where a lot of these chemical uh, or non-ionophore non coccidiostats are being utilized and utilized significantly that uh, are we going to start seeing resistance? And we will. I mean, we know that we will eventually, but when is that going to show? And then how bad is it going to be? And we just haven't been able to come up with alternatives to antibiotics to really help these companies be able to manage uh, the use of the coccidiosis vaccines very well, so they're not real confident with that. So right now, all of the pressure for coccidiosis control is on those non-ionophore coccidiostats, and that's where resistance is going to definitely be a challenge.